Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the beautiful and beautificent <laughs> Brent. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Oh, actually, you know what? Let's get the uh, most important news there is in the world today, which is happy birthday, Dylan, to my amazing co-host oh, and you. friend of many years. Yes. How's it going? How was your birthday? Um, it's been good. If uh, by good you mean stressful, <laughs> it's been a stressful day, um, getting a lot of work yeah. in. But now we're finally at the point where we could sit back and relax and talk about some goofy stuff. <laughs> right on. What are we talking about? So today we're continuing our series on cancer quackery. Um, last episode we talked about kind of the the cancer quacks that really had really goofy ingredients mm-hmm. and kind of bizarre dietary requirements. Today we're going to be talking about cancer quackery that has exposés attached to them (laughs) and cases where they're not quite as good as originally advertised. And we're going to start off with hydrazine sulfate. Yes. Hydrazine sulfate was popularized by Dr. Joseph Gold, general practitioner and the director of the Syracuse Cancer Research Institute, who claimed it could reverse, I don't know how to pronounce this, it's (laughs) cachexia, cachexia? I think it's cachexia. Cachexia? That sounds better. Like mm-hmm. your Chex Mix. That's your yep. cereal. <laughs> Eat a bowl of Cachexia in the morning. <laughs> and Cachexia is something that is associated with cancer. It results in loss of appetite, tissue wasting, muscle and visceral organ atrophy, weakness, and loss of fat stores. So loss of fat stores, that sounds good to me. I could use some of that. <laughs> and Dr. Gold's basic idea was that if you could reverse Cachexia, you could also reverse cancer. He, quote-unquote, determined that hydrazine sulfate would be good at reversing cachexia, therefore it would be good at reversing cancer. Hmm. So he initially concluded this after conducting a trial of 84 terminal patients with hydrazine sulfate. The trial was not randomized, double-blinded, or placebo-controlled. Ah. Uh, so in other words, it wasn't subject to any government interference or political sabotage. Yeah, I always It say, was done the way an experiment should be done. That's right. I always say double-blind tests just makes your results twice as blind. Yeah, in the land of the blind, the man that's double blind is dumb. Is dead. I think that's how that goes. I think it is. So what did he conclude? Well, he concluded that three quarters of his subjects said that they had better appetite, weight gain, and a general feeling of well-being. This effect varied widely in terms of its duration, lasting from a few days in some patients to several months in others. So, you know, this feeling of well-being, eating more, it sounds just like walking through a major metropolitan city on 420. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the effects that this guy got from hydrazine sulfate. Legalize it! Legalize it! That's a, that's a more metal. That is. I got used I, to the metal version of that song. I would like to uh, make that uh, reggae song, the Peter Tosh reggae song. I want to yeah. see it in a metal song. Yeah, I kind of like it. a metal version of that, you know? It's, yeah, you know, we it needs to be. Let's get away from this whole, you know, marijuana makes you chilled out and relaxed. You know, <laughs> it makes you pumped up, ready to rock. Yeah, I like that. So not only did three-quarters of his patients feel better and eat more, 14 of the 84 patients, their cancer was, quote, stabilized. You know, I know unstable cancer sounds bad, but stable cancer doesn't sound very good either. It doesn't sound like a very good result, if you ask me. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if your cancer is behaving itself. I mean, it is cancer, so. Yeah, you don't want a well-behaved cancer seemed, you know. Oh, God, uh, yeah. So it turns out that there were no long-term follow-up studies were done on any of these 84 patients. And I think it was for a good reason. It's because Dr. Gold doesn't believe in the man interfering with the lives of cancer patients. (laughs) Duh. 
leave these people alone. They're already <laughs> grateful enough to do a study and be yeah. part of a clinical trial. Why do we have to bother them anymore? Just let them be. <laughs> and a guy whose name is Dr. Gold doesn't need to be out there trying to swindle cancer patients out of their money. He belongs in a Marvel film, damn it, with 6,792 other superheroes. Come on. Yeah. Get him a movie. They call me Dr. Gold in the day, but at night, I'm Cancer Man. <laughs> Or I guess anti-cancer man. Yeah, it'd be anti-cancer, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, cancer man would be bad PR. <laughs> it's also the name of a creature in the X-Files. So oh. there would also be copyright infringement issues, I believe. <laughs> so there were other studies done of the effectiveness of hydrazine sulfate after Gold's initial studies. Um, and they didn't exactly get the stunning effects that Gold saw. By the way, a reminder of the stunning effects that Gold saw was that... Um, a lot of his patients got the munchies and they didn't really care about having cancer anymore. That was kind of, that's <laughs> yeah. what he got. Other researchers couldn't even get that. Classic case of curing the disease by ignoring the disease. That's brilliant. Yeah, I know. That's how I, that's how I deal with most of my diseases. I just ignore them. <laughs> yep. And, they usually and then eventually I die. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, that's, I'm fine that with works. that. So there were a bunch of studies done um, in the, the mid to late 70s. Um, mm-hmm. A study by Ochoa, Lerner, Strum. Svermoli, mm-hmm. and they all found hydrazine sulfate treatments to be of no value in reducing tumor size or in increasing patient survival time. What I couldn't find out was whether the tumors were stabilized. That's the real <laughs> question I want answered here. Yeah, for that, we need Robert Mueller. Uh, he'll get to the bottom of it. He'll get it. Yeah. Please, please tell me he'll get it. Okay. There was also another study done in 1980 by Regelson, who looked at the subjective responses like Gold did, remember, eating a bunch of food, not really caring about anything. And he found nothing that nothing like that in his studies that couldn't be explained by a simple placebo effect. So Dr. Gold, you know, he's a respected scientist. He's a serious medical professional. And when you're a scientist, when you're putting forth these new treatments, you're going to get pushback. Right. That's part of the scientific process. Yeah. You know, we're all adults here. We can all deal with criticism. We can all be professional about it. And so can Dr. Gold. Um, and the way he reacted professionally was by suggesting that these results were based on politics and they were part of an establishment conspiracy to suppress a cheap and effective cancer drug. <laughs> so he took it well. He took it yeah, well. That's good. Also, but... You know, I, I, I disagree with him about the nature of the conspiracy because he seems <laughs> to think the establishment conspiracy doesn't want this cheap way to cure cancer. I think what they're more worried about is people taking hydrazine sulfate, thinking they don't have cancer or not caring about their cancer, and then they're definitely not going to want chemo or radiation. <laughs> you know, why would they need it? They don't care about it. Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, you have me at establishment conspiracy. Oh, so. that's fair. I mean, that's all you really need to hear. Oh, establishment's conspiracy. I got it. That's just truth now. That's all you have to say. So far, hydrazine sulfate research has been confined to North America, but now at this point, uh, starting in the 80s, it moves on to Russia. Ah, the grand old party. Yep. In Russia, a group of cancer researchers, they see the same subjective responses that Gold has. In particular, one researcher named Filov notes that 23 weeks after administration, there is a marked psychotropic effect. Filov described it as a marked euphoria and stated that cachetic terminal intestinal cancer patients were unable to recognize the reality of their conditions. (laughs) So again, you don't have to cure cancer. You have to just cure thinking about cancer. That's what's causing the real problems here. Yes. (laughs) It's not your brain cancer that's the issue. It's more your brain thinking about your brain cancer that's the real problem. That's what the tumor's doing. Yeah. Brain cancer. Jesus Christ. It makes you think you have cancer. That's its main effect. (laughs) In the hydrazine sulfate-treated groups, uh, they showed increased appetite and some weight gain. Again, hydrazine sulfate seemed to induce a state of euphoria in patients, which caused them to believe that they were being cured. 
My cancer has been cured. Time for Oreos and ice cream. That's what you always do after oh, cancer. Oh, always. Always. And one researcher said that because of the modest neurotoxicity of hydrazine sulfate, um, his name was Chablowski. Chablowski felt that it would not be a good candidate for use in long-term treatment until appropriate trials for safety were run. You know, the one thing I will say about the neurotoxicity of this treatment is that at least mm-hmm. it's 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 modest neurotoxicity. It's not outlandish <laughs> neurotoxicity because no right. one likes no one likes someone who brags about their neurotoxicity. They make it they talk about it at every party they go to. No one wants to hear about it. All right, we believe you. The neurotoxicity of our city. No. What song is that? <laughs> it's the one that's like um, it is System of the Down. Oh, I think I know what song you're talking about. It's, I think it was pretty old. Pretty old. 90s, maybe. Oh, it's really from the 90s? I, it System might be in 2000. That's <laughs> uh, still not good. That's still... I think they were like an Iraqi, like weird... It was like metal... I don't know what kind of music that was, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was because it was like hard, but they also had some kind of like Middle Eastern sounding like scales they use and stuff right but this isn't a system of a down podcast nope it's a cancer podcast that's right so we've had studies in north america we've had studies Mm -hmm. in russia yep but this is a this is an episode about exposés about the media talking about these alternative cancer cures and the media definitely plays a role in hydrazine sulfate because they were covered in the paragon of medical journalism penthouse hell yeah So an author for Penthouse, a journalist named Jeff Common, wrote a series of articles about how dope hydrazine sulfate was and the conspiracy to tarnish Dr. Gold's name. But first, he had to team up with Captain Silver, Copper Man, then with the help of Liberty Master Ron Paul, gather up the gold standard team. Unite! Down with the Fed. Down with the Fed. (laughs) Up with hydrazine sulfate. Hydrazine sulfate. That's kind of a weird... I like the... That was good. They're getting a little off on the the superhero movies, I think. I know. Yeah, it was about Austrian economics and <laughs> hydrazine sulfate as a cure for cancer. Very strange. They're really mixing up the themes in those movies. <laughs> Running out of ideas. So Jeff Common, you know, he's got, he's claiming that there's this conspiracy to tarnish this guy's name and that hydrazine sulfate is truly the cure for cancer that we all deserve. So we can only imagine the hardcore evidence he's bringing to the table, letting you know in Penthouse. Personally, I prefer my evidence to be more metal. But I have, you know, I have an eclectic taste. It's fine. I'll accept nerdcore rap evidence, too. I mean, there is a guy named Dr. Octagon, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Daltron. I I prefer electric folk evidence. I think that's my, although I'm in Detroit, so I guess techno evidence is really, I should really be a proponent of techno evidence. There is a uh, episode of Mighty Boosh uh, that has um, folk glam rock. (laughs) (laughs) They're dressed in like, they're like, they look like um, Simon and Garfunkel, but they also have Kiss makeup on. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> oh, that's all we have left. It's combining other stuff. Yep. That's it. We've really. <laughs> so what evidence did Common present in his Pentos articles? It looks like his main piece of evidence was that two Russian researchers, Grishanovich and Filov, yes, that Filov, the one who talked about how uh, hydrazine sulfate basically made you not be able to recognize you had cancer anymore, they told Common that they cured over 1,000 patients with hydrazine sulfate. Again, they were told it works. Hardcore evidence. 
to fit yeah, the hardcore. hardcore tastes of penthouse readers. Yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some establishment chemocrats are going to suggest that, <laughs> oh, he got an all-expense-paid trip to their facility in the NN Petrov Research Institute of Oncology in St. Petersburg, Russia. And they are going to suggest, oh, well, he believed them because he got all his expenses paid and got a free trip to Russia. Lies. Those are damn dirty lies. Fake I, news. I, yeah, fake I, news. I'm not going to yep. take the fake news on this podcast. No. We're all about the truth. <laughs> Good. And because he just believed these folks, he made the only rational conclusion. So we know that hydrazine sulfate cures cancer. These two Russian dudes told me it must be true. But hydrazine sulfate isn't legal to treat cancer in the United States. Conclusion, the National Cancer Institute and the FDA are suppressing it. Ugh. Logic always wins. Okay, so hydrazine sulfate, it gets featured in Penthouse, which we all know, lovely magazine, <laughs> great articles. But that's not the heights that Cancer Quackery can go. There's much bigger, much more prestigious institutions that will talk about hydrazine sulfate. I'm talking, of course, of broadcast network television. And the one, one piece of Cancer Quackery that got that far was Immuno-Augmentative Therapy, IAT. IET was developed by Lawrence Burton, who has a PhD in zoology hmm. starting in the mid-50s. And this is, I think this is a good start. You, you, you trust a zoologist more than a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Medical doctors just study the human body. But a zoologist, <laughs> one day you got to cure a dog. And then the next day a zebra. And then a fish. And then fruit flies. All in the same day. You got to cure all yep. of it. It's turtles all the way down. Yep. All right, now, speaking of fruit flies, that's where Burton's work originally started. Uh -huh. So what Burton did was he discovered, quote, a tumor induction factor in these fruit flies and also a tumor induction factor inhibitor. Mm. So these fruit flies, they've got two things, tumor induction factor and the inhibitor of the tumor induction factor. Uh. So the story then must be that God, in all of his wisdom, he could have just left out the whole tumor-causing business out. <laughs> But he, you know, he likes to play it loose. He likes to play it fun. So instead, he put both the tumor induction factor and the inhibitor of that tumor induction factor into these poor fruit flies. You know, he loves a little tumor uncertainty. You know, yeah. it's the roulette wheel of cancer. Burton discovered that not only is there TIF and TIF inhibitors in fruit flies, but they're also in mice. Huh. And if they're in mice, they have to be in all mammals. And, you know, I think that's really good evidence, right? So yeah. mice, they're really small. Okay. Therefore, all mammals are really small. Rock solid reasoning. I just, boom, boom. made a conclusion. Dude, and like our Secretary of Interior, Ryan Zinke, I too am a geologist and can sh and assure you that your comment about rocks being rock solid is also accurate. Oh, good. Yeah, we so, want to be a geologically accurate podcast. That's right. We don't want to mess around with that. That's stuff. right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like we talk about this, we mm -hmm. talked about this issue a lot at WashU mm -hmm. about um, kind of comparative psychology and how we extrapolate um, results from studies of animals to human beings mm -hmm. and all the different kind of technical questions and all the difficulties around how we do that and how important it is to do that because we do, you know, test medicine on non-human animals and then we need to make inferences about human beings. Right. This guy just threw all that away and he just <laughs> was like, nope, it's, it's in the mice. It's got to be in the people. Like, that was just it. He didn't think about that very hard at all. Right. <laughs> no nuance. Yeah. Nuance always leads to Bigazi. So. Oh, God, you're right. I'm bringing it back. Uh, you know. Uh, never left. Really. I haven't been never seeing left. this clearly. I haven't been seeing this clearly. <laughs> so speaking of a PhD program, Burton's very own PhD supervisor and two-time co-author, Herschel K. Mitchell, PhD, concluded that Burton's work was, quote, meaningless. 
<laughs> that is never good. No, it's not good at all. <laughs> Getting shade from your actual supervisor. Yeah, meaningless. So what was Mitchell's problem? So first, these fruit flies that Burton was originally studying, the control fruit flies didn't have injection scars. If you're running tests on fruit flies, you would inject your experimental fruit flies with something, and then you would inject a placebo in the control fruit flies. So you're getting two injections. Uh. Right. Um, but there were no injection scars in the control fruit flies. So, you know, much like the similarly named Lance Burton, he just made those scars disappear. <laughs> you know, he definitely injected them. He just made them vanish. <laughs> Mitchell also used samples that Burton claimed had this tiff in them, but he failed to notice any difference between experimental and control groups using the supposed tiff. Both sides. Let's keep this fair and balanced. All groups matter. Yeah, all groups do matter. Experimental or control. So as a result of Mitchell being thoroughly unimpressed with Burton's purported results, Mitchell not only said that they were meaningless, but he also asked to be, quote, forgotten as a co-author <laughs> on the two papers he wrote with Burton, which is, this is some real 1984 shit. I would love to just, you know, I demand that it be forgotten that I was the guy who passed out in the toilet that one time. I just, it oh shall God. be forgotten. Um, and it was so. Yeah, no, I don't think it's it going to work for me. <laughs> Um, this guy has a PhD. It might be a tenure thing. That might be one of the benefits yeah. of tenure is that you could just say, uh, and it shall be forgotten. And it is. <laughs> they had like the stick from Men in Black or something. Just like, and eh, now you forget. You yeah, you shoot that little ray gun or whatever into yep. their eyes and it's over. <laughs> so what do you think Burton's reaction was? His PhD supervisor said his results were meaningless. Um, that's a pretty, that's a blow. I mean, I can, I can, a, I can only imagine how he reacted to that. He was undeterred. He was like, yeah, they're meaningless. Who cares? He oh, decided okay. to open the Immunology Research Foundation in Great Neck, New York in 1973. I really hope Great Neck, New York doesn't get neck cancer. That would be the biggest tumor of all time. <laughs> only a great tumor for Great Neck, New York. Isn't that just above Shoulder Blade, New York? I don't know, though. I'm a, I'm a geologist, for Christ's sake. I'm not a geographer. Yeah, you, you don't have to know that. No, um, I, I refuse I think, to know things that aren't in my, that I didn't, didn't get a major in. Just refuse. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> so what's the mission of the Immunology Research Foundation? Its mission was to investigate and stimulate immunological research for the ultimate control of cancer through the victim's own defense system. Uh-huh. I really like, I think they're being really honest with this mission statement because the people who went there definitely were victims. Um, probably for different reasons than what Burton thought, why Burton thought they were victims, but they definitely were victims. And so at least yeah. they're being honest about that. Yeah, victims on multiple levels here. Yeah, all different all kinds of victims. Victims within victims. Victim inception. <laughs> One really fun thing that Burton did was that he submitted a what's called an investigational new drug IND application to the FDA. They could start human trials for IAT. Unfortunately, the FDA read the application. They said, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. You didn't fill out the application. You just wrote your name at the top of it and sent it to us. You got to do more than that. There's more to it. <laughs> so you would think, okay, these questions aren't answered. You know, we have to address them. Right. Instead, Burton just retracts the application. Uh, he's... He, he, He's curing cancer. He doesn't have time to fill out paperwork. More government bureaucracy getting in the way of curing cancer. <laughs> it's always a good sign you stand by your drug. Yeah, I'm not answering any questions about it. <laughs> this guy's... This guy's if you don't like it, don't take it. <laughs> but there's actually kind of a loophole in how this works. So merely submitting an application uh, to the FDA to test it, the drug gets this IND number. Like any drug submitted gets this IND number, or at least it did at the time. Mm -hmm. So this IAT treatment got this number, even though it 
ultimately wasn't accepted to for Burton to start doing human trials. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, Burton, he's a man of honor. That's he right. He would never mislead people into thinking that his drug, merely having an IND number meant it was on the level, right? <laughs> Who am I kidding? Of course he did. <laughs> and I, IRF brochure claimed that the FDA had, quote, awarded an end number toward the furtherance of the foundation's goals, and that having been granted that identifying number, certain clinical trials may be gone on a very limited experimental basis. You know, so I guess, you know, it is the loneliest number that will cure your tumors. I think that's... <laughs> I think that's That works perfect. I think that's the song, right? That's I think, yeah. <laughs> so he's got his end number. He's lying to people about being able to start, you know, trials. Um, you know, he's kind of getting sick of, of New York. He wants, he wants to get out of the cold. He doesn't like the winter. And so, you know, because he's getting sick of New York and, you know, he doesn't like the cold and for no other reason, (laughs) Burton heads off to the Bahamas and opens the (laughs) Immunology Research Center, LLC in 1978. A couple things right off the bat. So center, Burton's American and center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. Right. And when an American opens a center spelled that way, you know he's a con artist. <laughs> right off the bat, you don't have to know anything else. There's yeah. no reason for him to write it like that. Absolutely. Also, another red flag is moving outside of countries that have regulations on medicine. <sighs> yeah. That's one thing, like, learning about these cancer quacks is, like, I know, so one, I know that there are hardworking Americans who are expats. They move overseas. Yeah. And they're doing good work. And they're saving lives. And also, there are doctors in these countries, native Baham Bahamians? Bahamians? N- natives of the Bahamas who yeah. are serious medical professionals and they're, you know, they're doing good work. Um, but particularly about the Americans who move there and claim they can cure cancer, just just get a second opinion. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you don't have to we don't have to make broad generalizations about these countries, but you know, just you know, maybe, you know, maybe also go to the Mayo Clinic, you know, if you can. Yeah. You know, if it's in your budget. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Especially if it's from the Great Pacific Garbage Patch Island. Oh, that's, See, yeah, that's, yeah. If you're, <laughs> that's a problem. If your cancer center moves there, all I'm saying is be skeptical and think twice. They may be peddling you literal garbage as a cancer cure. Yeah, oh, you, you see these yeah. uh, microbes, micro uh, plastics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may want to, you may want to have that as an enema. And it's like, geez, oh, <laughs> that is God. what they would do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It turns out the plastic in the great garbage patch is actually the cure for cancer. They're literally throwing it away. It's probably the only way we'll be able to clean it up if they just have scam artists use it as (laughs) horrible. That needs to be the newest government agency dedicated to, like, disinformation about how stuff that's bad is actually stuff that's good. And then we'll start getting rid of all the stuff. That's brilliant. You know, if you recycle, it makes you a more accurate shot. Like, I mean, I think like that kind of program, I think, would yeah. really work. <laughs> so he moves to the Bahamas to get away from the medical establishment, to get away from those laws and those, you know, <laughs> and to get away from the Food and Drug Administration, Ugh, those gross. bureaucrats trying yeah. to kill you, yep. kill your Always. family. Always. So he gets away from all that. We know Big Pharma back home. They're trying to keep you sick to take your money. So I imagine that IAT was offered at a really low cost. You know, I understand he's got to pay the rent mm-hmm. um, and he's got to keep up things. So it's probably still pretty cheap. Um, it, it's it's not. So <laughs> for the first month, it's $7,500. Oh. Um, and then for 
About eight weeks after that, it's $700 a week Jesus. for a total on average of 12 weeks. Ugh. So that's $13,100. And this is in 1978, yeah. uh, give or take. So I did an inflation check, and that's about, it's just under $40,000 Wow! for that's, 12 weeks of something that doesn't do anything. That's slightly more than the cheapest Tesla. So that's doable for most people. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> not. not. Really. <laughs> um, and you could have had the Tesla. Right. And you could be driving you around. You could be driving a Tesla, good. which would be great. Yeah. All right, so we've been talking about this guy, the Bahamas... You know, we want to hear the juicy stuff. We want to hear the press. What does the press have to say? Well, enter 60 Minutes. Stormy Daniels. Oh, sorry. No, not that 60 Minutes. That's (laughs) a little too current. Yeah, a little too current. We got to get back. Go back into the uh, age time frame that we're talking about here. So in a 1980 episode of 60 Minutes, a prominent doctor who I couldn't figure out who this prominent doctor was. Um, I should also mention a lot of our research comes from Quackwatch, which is a really good website. Mm-hmm. And one of the articles talking about um, IAT, they just said a prominent doctor. And I couldn't find out who it was. Huh. But this prominent doctor, who probably actually doesn't want people to know who he is based yeah. on what we're about to say, um, <laughs> he claimed one of his patients miraculously recovered after taking IAT. Ah. Um, but like many miracles, however, it didn't last. The episode of 60 Minutes aired where this doctor claimed this patient is cured. The patient died 12 days after the episode aired. That's all it took. Less than two weeks. Less than a fortnight. Oh, that's horrible. That sounds, it reminds me of the unedited version of the miracle of Jesus in the, in the Gospels. Oh, really? I remember the one he was like feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves and bread and two fishes. Yeah. So anyway, it's cut out of the Bible account. But after Jesus fed so many of these people with such little food, they all came down with an extreme amount of diarrhea and vomiting. Oh, God, bad yeah, PR. Yeah, so that's, that, was, that was bad. All 5,000 of these poor hungry souls ended up at the local hospital, which was a stable. Operating tables were mangers, obviously. That's beside the point. But, you know, they weren't hungry anymore. But the food made them violently ill. So you see, oh. Jesus hadn't properly washed his hands. They'd left that part out during the preparation of the miracle. So that's how they all contracted salmonella amen God, miracle sounds so much better when you're in the when you're in the editing room you just cut all that out yes you don't Man, need i had no yet. idea yeah we're yep, learning on this podcast right. that's so nice so now we got 60 minutes let's go even higher let's bring in congress Ooh. oh Sorry. congress isn't that bad <laughs> they're nice people not in the 80s so oh, that, that's actually a good point <laughs> Um, so in a 1984 congressional hearing held by Representative Claude Pepper, a pathologist from Alabama described his father's experience with IAT and the Immunology Research Center. And I kind of want to quote this bit in full. Yeah. And now I am a pathologist from Alabama in 1984. <laughs> in 1982, my father-in-law was diagnosed as having unresectable, incurable, widely disseminated cancer of the lung and advised that Essentially, his condition was terminal. As could be expected, the family was distraught, and we began to grasp at straws and looking into alternative modes of treatment. Some of the local press carried stories about so-called immuno-augmentative therapy. Soon thereafter, he went to the Bahamas to get treatment. His main symptom had been pain from the tumor. It had metastasized to the bones. When he went down there, he was told to go off pain medication and to begin the serum injections, and that the serum injections, if they work and dissolve the tumor, will cause pain. So he went down there knowing he had a tumor growing in him and causing him pain. And through a pretty good ploy, he came back convinced that the pain he was having was a cure. In addition, he was told the tumor was shrinking. The x-ray film they took was overexposed, which has the technical problem of making masses look smaller than they really are. 
Upon his return, I encouraged him to go to Fox Army Hospital and have another chest x-ray made. Several radiologists corroborated that they could see no evidence of any shrinkage in the tumor. I was then faced with the unpleasant task of telling my father-in-law for the second time he was dying. It was interesting that both he and his wife came back with total euphoria, that he was cured. They told everyone they saw he was cured. When they realized that he had been fooled, it was really a shock. And, of course, one doesn't usually go around telling people you have been fooled. He died approximately two months after he returned. In addition to the emotional turmoil and being away from the rest of the family for essentially half the remaining life he had, this cost them approximately $10,000, including travel and lodging, for this phony cancer cure. So after hearing that, I think this is just a simple reminder that Burton and all the cronies who peddle these false hopes, like him, are immoral scumbags who wouldn't exist in a just and morally crafted world. Yeah, ugh, God, we make jokes through this, but there are really no jokes that can, after reading that, like, or hearing you read that, it was just, I mean, that enrages me, dude. Like, fuck these con men. It's like straight up evil. It's yeah. just very evil to do this to people. The nice thing about reading that is you get angry, but you can, it also... For me, it, it inspires me to make even more fun of these assholes. Yes. It's like, it's just so satisfying. It does these people. <laughs> ah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. I hate them so much, and I hope yeah. they all die. Um, yep. So speaking of people who should die, let's move on to Stanislaw <laughs> R. Berzinski, MD, and his development of anti-neoplastins. Oh. So anti-neoplastins were synthesized by Brzezinski uh, from, this is a new one. Um, no, it's not. It's urine. It's urine again. Oh, so another Russian-based segment? Yeah, urine's oh, okay, gonna cure you. All right. That's actually, that's a little-known fact about the dossier. It was about uh, getting those anti-neoplastics from was those happening. sex workers just, in Russia. Just operating. Like, they're just just watching, like, an operating table or something. Just, oh, yeah, sex workers that. have the best <laughs> anti-neoplastin-laden urine. I mean, oh, it's good. just, you know, it's really anyone who peddles that stuff, they're just against the cure for cancer. <laughs> That's wow. my line, and I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> um, also, since we're talking about urine again, we need, like, a cancer quackery bingo game. <laughs> so there would be a square for urine, for enemas, yeah. scary animals, <laughs> and definitely one for a lack of clinical evidence. That's got to be on there. <laughs> I love this idea. Maybe we could market it to the elderly so they would spend time playing a fun, informative game rather than flying to random islands for quackery cancer cures, in quotes. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It would be fun yeah. and informative. Yeah. <laughs> Infotainment, if you will. Ooh. Not unlike our program. <laughs> in 1973, Brzezinski received a three-year grant to study his urinary peptides. Oh. Uh, surprisingly, the grant was not renewed. Well, I'm relieved. Get it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, peepee jokes. That's where yep. we're at in the podcast. Gonna, yep. Just peepee. It's, it's I mean, this is, you have to make the peepee jokes right themselves. Yep. On on these episodes, it's just it's unavoidable. There's mm -hmm. peepee everywhere. Jesus. <laughs> so Brzezinski, he has an MD. He's a medical doctor. He got it from a medical school in Poland, hmm. and he has a DMISC, which is a doctorate of medical science. Uh, but he also wants a PhD, and it's actually unclear if he has one or not. This is actually, a lot of my research went into, <laughs> into the, a PhD in medical science versus a doctor in medical science. It's very confusing. Is this, is this like Ken Ham's situation where he has a, quote, degree from a mobile home with some several WWJD bumper stickers and a sign that says God's University on it? I think it's actually, it's a little it's bit like a more sophisticated. Degree. Right. It's a little bit more <laughs> Just sophisticated. Slightly. It's more, it's like... I actually have a master's, but I tell you I have a PhD. It's kind of right. like that, it seems. It's more like, like that, because, okay. 
Because like, so I already said, like, there's PhDs in medical science, there's mm-hmm. a doctor in medical science, and Brzezinski definitely does have the doctor in medical science. Mm-hmm. So what exactly, how do we transfer that? Well, what did he have to do to get it? I think that's what, it's really yeah. what you have to look at. So he right, got right. it in 1968, he completed a one-year laboratory project, and he passed an exam. Okay. He didn't do any independent research. Right. So probably not quite the PhD level. Right. I t- it took me three years to get my master's degree, and I ain't telling anybody I have a PhD. So uh, yeah. I don't think he should either. Yeah. I need a master's degree in getting degrees to figure this out. <laughs> oh, no. We do. <laughs> we do. Uh, but this is not an academic degree podcast. Let's move on <laughs> to what the viewers, to the, the listeners really... Well, no, not the urine. We're past the urine. Okay, well, that's right. We are. We're, we're post-urine. Are we? Are we past? We live in yeah, a post-truth, post-race. Nope, there's more urine coming. There's oh, more urine oh, coming. There, oh, God, there is. You're right. <laughs> I can't keep oh, track God. of all the urine. <laughs> Uh, but we're not talking about urine now. Now we're talking about right. something even better than urine. We're talking about Sally, Jesse, <laughs> Raphael. <laughs> Brzezinski was featured on the Sally, Jesse, Raphael program in 1988, along with four, quote, miracle patients who were cured after taking swig after swig of their homegrown <laughs> urine. Jesus. It gives a whole new meaning to the phrase potty mouth. Get it? Oh, oh man. I am on God. today. I am on today. We should not punish kids for being potty mouths because they're not getting tumors. Oh! They're going to be perfectly fine. (laughs) All right, so we got four miracle patients. Mm -hmm. 1988, doing pretty good. Drinking urine. No more tumors. (laughs) So what happened to all these little miracles? Well, Inside Edition actually did a follow-up story on them in 1992. And they were, you know, they were doing great. You know, they had, um, actually, actually, no. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I misread. They, they weren't doing so good at all. Um, so we had four patients in 1988. Uh, so uh, two died. Um, so that's not a good start. Nope. Um, and then a third one's cancer came back. And then the fourth was doing fine. So we got, you know, one yeah. out of four. Okay. You know, that's pretty good. Um, but they had bladder cancer initially. And bladder cancer actually has a pretty good bro- uh, prognosis. So... Not evidence of a miracle cure by Brzezinski, more an evidence of, yeah, they were fine. Okay. Is that slightly ironic or is it like drink urine, bladder cancer? Oh, no. you're right. Maybe, it's know. proof. <laughs> it's proof. It's the ur- the urine in the bladder was so powerful. That's why it worked so well. Because they made the urine right there. They didn't even right. have to drink it. Jeez. Full just, circle. Yeah. You just got a little, you know, it's like having chemo in your belly if chemo actually worked. <laughs> Further, in this inside edition profile, a widow of one of the deceased patients said that um, her husband and five others sought treatment from Brzezinski and all had passed away in this four-year period. So what does this teach us? Um, I think the main thing it teaches us is that daytime talk show hosts are not reliable medical professionals. And I'm looking at you, Dr. Oz. I'm going to count you along in this one, too. Yes, here, here. That's why I only get my reliable medical diagnosis from late night Talk show hosts like Dr. James Corden. Exactly. Past yeah. midnight, it's all truth it's all, all the time. Yep, it always is. And Brzezinski has kind of one-upped even the IAT crowd because not only did he get on Sally Jesse Raphael, Ooh. he's had two documentaries made about him. Wow, famous. And what's it called? Brzezinski the movie, Cancer <laughs> is a Serious Business. <laughs> you know what else is a serious business? Flim Flam. <laughs> and Brzezinski knows all about that. That's the movie I want to see made. Yeah, that title is the most honest title I've ever seen from a scam artist. Yeah, Brzezinski the movie. <laughs> yep, it's me in movie form. It's a serious business, wink, wink. And so that's part one. There was also a part two, which was just called um, Brzezinski Cancer is a Serious Business Part Two. Not, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, they weren't, they didn't need to, you know, get fancy with the titles. It's all about the truth. Be direct. Part two, it was shown at the Newport Beach Film Festival in oh. 2013, and it was introduced by none other than heartthrob and non-expert 
Fabio. Wait, wait, wait. Hasn't he performed multiple open heartthrob surgeries? You know, you're right about you're right about the heartthrob surgeries. I, I forgot about that mm-hmm. part. But that's actually not the reason that Fabio introduced this film. He introduced it because his sister was currently receiving treatment from Brzezinski. Uh-huh. Um, and so this the Newport uh, the Newport Beach Film Festival and it was in April. Um, and sadly, his sister died a few months later in August of 2013. Yeah, Fabio released an album in 1994. It was titled Fabio After Dark. The album title was later changed to Fabio in the Dark. <laughs> oh, Fabio. Oh, God. Uh, so, you know. You're too that. beautiful to care. You're too beautiful to know. <laughs> yes. You can't have brains and beauty. It's just beauty. It's really not his fault. It's poor Fabio. Okay. Kabbalah water. Oh, finally, something that isn't urine. <laughs> Kabbalah water. That sounds <laughs> yeah, nice. Something refreshing. Yeah, it does. Let's learn about it. We can't talk about Kabbalah water until we first talk about the Kabbalah Center, Kabbalah Center which originated from an American rabbi named Philip Berg. Berg was a former insurance salesman who, on a trip to Israel, learned about the teachings of Kabbalah. He thought it selfish that only a select group of Jewish men were hoarding this spiritual gem. Berg wanted to share it with America. Does America have to have everything? Like, do we have to do this? Let's calm down on the cultural <laughs> appropriation. Let, let Israel have something. Yeah. I don't know. I personally prefer my woo to be America. America! Made in the U.S. of A. Give me that old-timey religion. Old-timey, yeah. Like Kabbalah. No. Kabbalah's new. That's right. It's. Yep, I think Madonna invented that. I think we're going to talk about that. Yeah, she revamped that. So... He came back to the U.S. and started teaching Kabbalah classes out of his insurance office. Totally normal. (laughs) And eventually founded the Kabbalah Center in L.A. Oh, California. So, would you like full coverage on your Toyota Camry, Mrs. Johnson? Okay, that's great. Now, do you also know about the 12 attitudes and emanations of God with which he frequently upholds the existence of the universe? No? Okay, that's fine. All this will be in your insurance packet that will be mailed to your home. Okay, now, wait a minute. Am I paying extra to get these emanations, or how does this work? It's it's standard, you know, just, oh, just it's your standard, standard okay, emanation uh, procedure. Yep. Okay, good. I don't have to pay extra. Okay, that's fine with me then. Yeah, bring on the emanations. So this is a quote from the Kabbalah Center website. Kabbalah is an ancient wisdom that provides practical tools for creating joy and lasting fulfillment. It's an incredible system of technology that will completely change the way you look at your world. Okay, so you have me at ancient. You lost me at wisdom and system of technology and so on. But you know, I was I was with it. I was with it for a minute there. Yeah, you know, the wisdom I don't need. I mean, they also they talk about a technology that will completely change the way you look at your world. Um, I've also got that. They're called glasses. I mean, you could just you just go <laughs> just to Warby Parker and get a pair. Right, it's fine. They'll send them to your house. I also love I love this tactic of calling all this malarkey technology. It's like know, a, it's the so Scientology great. move. Of, <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. You think, oh, we're getting a computer. Like, no, you're just getting words. It's just words that some (laughs) guy made up. Strung together. Drinking in the ocean. (laughs) Despite this meaningless quote, Judaism or Jewish mysticism scholars do not consider the Kabbalah taught in the Kabbalah Center to be an accurate representation to the original teachings, but consider it to be more of a, you know, new age reinterpretation of the original form of Kabbalah. Yeah. You don't want to taint ancient nonsense with modern nonsense. That's just dumb. Nonsense divided against itself <laughs> will not stand <laughs> to make much cash, am I right? I think that's the hey, Abraham Lincoln quote. I think that's what it is. he I was think talking he even says, about. am I right, at the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He does, yep. That's how he talked. It's true fact. <laughs> so what's this fucking Kabbalah water? 
I added that fucking in there just to, mm. yeah, Kabbalah. I really wanted it to, fuck yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. You may be asking, well, according to the Kabbalah Center website, a process which they call quantum resonance technology, again, with the technology. Yeah, we're getting the real technology in here. This sounds more <laughs> scientific. <laughs> so here's the quote. Restructures the intermolecular binding of spring water. Ooh. This is some prime wood. This is the, some prime rib of woo. I'd say I prefer my spring water unbound to the tyranny of molecular binding. Yeah, that's really. I mean, that's just, <laughs> just that's like government bureaucracy, just at the oh, yeah. molecular level. Really, uh-huh. I mean, that's all that is. <laughs> all right. So Kabbalah water is described by the same website as. A quote, dynamic, living, fractal, and crystalline. Oh, those are some expensive words. Yeah. You know you're on a different level when you're using the word fractal in your descriptions of your products. And to be clear, by a different level, I mean thicker bullshit. (laughs) I just want to be... Yeah, there's a... uh, I think uh, there's a phrase that Rational Wiki uses, another... common source we use where they talk about being fractally wrong where you're like <laughs> no matter no matter like, what like scale you're looking at right it's wrong at like every like it's resolution so yeah <laughs> also crystalline i like that word nice that mm-hmm. brings that brings me back again to my mineralogy classes at unlv oh god crystallography and crystallatus structures of minerals still haunt me like very symmetrical ghosts <laughs> <laughs> that's that's we need to form a band called Very Symmetrical yes. Ghosts. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Also, so it's crystalline right. water. So does that mean it's frozen? <laughs> um, but if it's frozen, how dynamic can it be? I, yeah. It seems like there's it seems like incompatible properties of water. Right. All, it's, I mean, I, I'm trying to be charitable. Yeah. I don't think it's just fair bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> It's just really hard. It's, you yeah. know, they're, they've got this new technology. They're trying to figure it out. Let's yeah. be nice to them. The crystalline structure of bullshit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Kabbalah water is essentially cheap Canadian mineral water. Oh, Sorry to ruin it, everybody. The big reveal. Yep. So in other words, this healing water ain't made in America, so you know it ain't good. You know, it can't even be expensive Canadian mineral <laughs> water. They go for the cheap stuff. <laughs> Fucking socialists. Uh, true. Throughout the 2000s, Kabbalah water was the favorite magical potion endorsed by celebrities such as Madonna, the asshole celebrity that really put the Kabbalah Center on the map. Good job, Madonna. Yeah, thanks, Madonna. As well as these great celebrities, Ashton Kutcher of TV's Punked, uh, and then Demi Moore of Striptease? I don't know. I think she was in Striptease. She was in that movie where she was in the Navy and she had a shaved head. Yes, that one. She was and in... And Lindsay Lohan, another classic. Oh, Lindsay Lohan, fine yeah. thespian. One of the best. So your you're basic Hollywood elites, whether it's a mean girl or a material girl, this center has what you need. God, Hollywood elites. <laughs> so horrible. Uh, by the way, you talked about material girl. Um, if uh-huh. you want to hear a refutation of Madonian monism about materialism, <laughs> you should really listen to the police's song, We Are Spirits in the Material World. They got a duelist uh-huh. picture going on. You know, you get both, Interesting. You get both parts of it. <laughs> I like this list of folks that are endorsing the Kabbalah Center. It sounds like the next cast of Sharknado, like Sharknado Part <laughs> 5 or whatever. That's what, yeah, it does. If someone said, hey, there's a new Sharknado and it's got Madonna, Ashton Kutcher, Lindsay Lohan, I would believe that. I wouldn't yeah, think that's a prank. Exactly. It's like, wait, you mean the same people from Transformers 375? Like, yeah, those people. 375 Transformers. Okay, Decepticons. Somebody. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I think we'll probably get sued for that, but no. <laughs> 
All right, on we go. On the Kabbalah Center website, you can purchase the magical Canadian mineral water for a price. And here it is. Kabbalah water is, which is 700 milliliters. This is in 2017. It's a case of 12. You get regular price of $22, which is mm-hmm. actually a deal because I, I just looked up a the same thing, 700 milliliters, 12 pack of Fuji water on the Fuji website, and it, it's $30. So you oh. actually save $8. For adding Kabbalah juice. So I am conflicted now. I don't I guess know what I, to do. I, I think it's because that whatever municipal water source Fuji uses, uh, I think it's it's more spiritually enlightening mm, water. I think that's true. It's, even, right. it's even better than Kabbalah water. Yeah, magical mountains. Yeah. But they're also, they're less upfront about it, and so it's more underground and cool. And, you know, that's, yeah. That's, that's why they're charging more. That's true. It is very hipster. Hipster water. So on the website, they also offer pinches water. Is that how you said that? I have no idea. I've never seen that word in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen it too much lately. Okay, 700 milliliters. Um, this is in 2017, a BPA-free, 100%. Oh, thank God. What am I saying here? This is, I don't even know all these specs. They're so complicated. Um, our pet, which is a case of 12, regular price, $42. Ooh, well, that's pricey. That's, that's good to know for you guys in case you want to know. Yeah, it is kind of pricey. But what is pinches? It's not what it sounds like. I guess. It's, in fact, a small portion from the Zohar, the foundational text of Kabbalah written between 539 BCE to 70 CE. So So you can read this. Do you drink the book? (laughs) Is that how this works? Yeah. You sh- you do it's bl- it's like blended up and that is the that's the pinches for forty two dollars. No, I I don't See, know. You, you had me so, for I, I would have believed you. you right, know, I would have been like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's what's exactly. so hard about these episodes. <laughs> right, it's like better than urine. I mean, and and an enema. And yeah, if shark, we're drinking urine you know, and putting stuff on our butt. We might as well yeah. blend up a book and and no one's reading any of the books. <laughs> if people were oh, reading God. books in these situations, we might be able to cure some cancer. <laughs> But instead, we're so eating true. them. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> Which was also actually a feature of our last series of yes. episodes, eating that little scroll. That's right. I yeah, forgot about that. It's coming full circle. Yeah. So you can read this. You only need to purchase this Zohar for a mere $250 on the website. Ooh. That's right. $250. It's, you know, it's a big volume set. Whatever, it's big yeah, it's a bunch of books, book. isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I guess that makes sense. But still. Yeah, so you can read this, but the best way to get your pinches, let's be honest, is to just drink this Canadian mineral water, because I'm pretty yeah. sure it's probably the exact same. I mean, honestly, Canada probably has better, like, water regulation systems right. anyway, and so yeah, it's, it's a, probably a good idea to drink their mineral water as opposed to ours. That's right, yep. There have been multiple reports by journalists that Kabbalah centers from around the world push their attendees to donate money and purchase overly expensive products with special woo juice. No, 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 no. <laughs> they push attendees to support the cause of the Kabbalah oh. Center and to acquire fairly priced spiritual liquid. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta put a twist on there. That's right. So in one report by the Guardian attendee, Leah Zonas, was assured by some of the staff at the Kabbalah Center in Tel Aviv that if she forked over lots of cash for special Kabbalah Center, quote-unquote, treatment, she would be cured of her cancer. I mean, that's that's true, though, right? Incorrect. Oh, um, yeah. Wrong. Well, um, Yeah, mm. I know. It's, it's, yep. So a misguided friend of Leah was the one who suggested she attend the Kabbalah Center, and as the disease progressed, she asked the center's director, Moshe Rosenberg, for help and guidance with her cancer. Dude, how bad does that friend feel after all this? I mean, 
Yeah, I know it's a little yeah. spoilerly because we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, it's not going to end well, as you can imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, yep. you know, I bet she's really thankful. You know, Zona's got to live as long as she did thanks to this Jewish water. You know, <laughs> otherwise she would have died yeah, immediately. That's right. That's a good point. So Mr. Rosenberg recommended that a donation to the Kabbalah Center would lead to a full recovery for Leah. Mrs. Zonas's husband offered over $1,400, but Mr. Rosenberg stated that the donation needed to be much more substantial. I he suggested how much, though. $30,000. Oh, that's, that's, that's really different. Yeah, just $30,000. It's like, how about you more than double what you just desperately offer me and we'll call the deal. Yeah, let's, how about you double it and then multiply by 10? <laughs> like, I think that's... <laughs> oh, God, math. I, yeah. like the, I like the two stage. You butter them up a little bit because yeah. you make, oh, well, three, that's just double. But like, oh, well, I mean, you know, I've already doubled it. I might as well go all the way. <laughs> oh, dear God. So her husband reluctantly agreed because her wife was desperate for anything. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. What did the Zonuses actually get for the $30,000? Well, not much, obviously. The Kabbalah Center members prayed for her extra hard, and she was given the magical Kabbalah water to drink. So basically, nothing. I don't. I don't know how you could say nothing. I mean, they got prayer. I mean, that's, that's a big true. deal. Like you're getting <laughs> word in with the big guy upstairs. <laughs> so Leah's Zonas's condition got progressively worse, even after his this donation by her husband. Oh, shocking. so she confronted. Yeah, it's shocking. So she confronted the new director, Saul Yudikovich. After Mr. Rosenberg left the center to see what could be done. Oh, see, well, you know, they're, they have good customer service. They're going to. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're going to listen to their customers and try to figure things out. That's right. That's what you're really paying so for is customer service. <laughs> in true evil form, and according to this article, Mr. Yudikovich suggested the reason the cancer had not been cured is because the Zonuses did not give enough money. Oh, Imagine that. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So they were yeah. instructed to give another $25,000. Oh, well, at least they didn't have to give thirty. I mean, you know, we got to look right. at the bright side here. It's a deal. Yeah, that's right. It's like, yep. Getting $5,000 off for prayer and water. <laughs> she had a coupon, I think. You know, that's literally what you get in prison. Yeah. You get prayers and water. <laughs> <laughs> and they paid a lot of money to get those two things. Uh, and shanked. Oh. Nope. That's right. So, yeah, you pay, you're paying not to get stabbed. <laughs> That's really what the payment is for. <laughs> the Zonuses, desperate, borrowed the money and paid the center, but her condition did not improve. She died at the age of 50 after battling disease for six years, if you can call that battling, unfortunately. So that's a total of $55,000 the Zonuses paid for magical water and some prayers. You may be thinking, how gullible could you be? Like, how could these, how could these people be so gullible? I mean, there is... Okay, so that did remind me, kind of serious note, um, I watched this YouTube document the other day I was getting obsessed watching because I would read, read that new um, Jim Jones People's Temple book. Oh, you I did? Is it good? Some, yeah, it's good. Uh, Road to something. I'm blanking on the name Is it right just now. Road to Jonestown? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's a name. It's a place. It's a place about Jim Jones. <laughs> what is yeah, it called? what is it here? Yeah, Road to Jonestown. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, I want to say it's the guy that wrote... Um, I don't know. He wrote another book that's really famous. I am just horrible at this The Bible. Right but anyway, that guy. The Zohar. Yeah. Zohar. War and Peace. <laughs> what? Yeah. All right. So anyway, the um, in that documentary, there's this clip. Um, they interview Jim Jones' son, who is like one of the only survivors, uh, Stephen Jones. And um, I'll just quote it here because it stood out to me. It says, ask yourself, what would someone have to tell you or what would 
someone have to do to you to get you to do something that you couldn't possibly believe you were capable of. And imagine that and examine it. Learn from it. Don't judge it. Don't stand separate from it. Be willing to stand in the shoes of the people you are judging. I think that's I think that's good. Yeah, no, I, I mean people I, I yeah, think about that totally a lot too. That. Like I think about, you know, what would I do if I was in Nazi Germany, for example. Right. And I think recognizing mm-hmm. that I would probably mm-hmm. do what everybody else in Nazi Germany did or what everybody else in Jim, you know, in Jonestown did. Right. Or what the Zonuses did here. Like I think, you know, yeah. we're not that special. We're really dumb. If you put us in the right circumstances, I think about like the like those famous, the Milgram experiments. Are you familiar with these? No. So it's a super famous, like, I think they originally did them in the 50s. They've replicated them a bunch of times. And there's a Peter Gabriel song about it, so you know they're on the level. Right. I mean, it's not Fabio, but that's fine. And Fabio doing open heart throb surgery was there. <laughs> and Good. it was this guy, Stanley Milgram, I think his name was. And he, he, he was thinking about Nazi Germany. He was like, mm-hmm. basically, like, how did all these people kind of go along with this? Like, they're not all evil. Right. You know, they're not all Himmlers and Goebbels and Hitlers. Like, yeah. So what, what's the explanation? And so he had this experiment where he had a guy dressed up in a fancy lab coat and people, the subjects would come in, but they thought they were helping with another experiment. Uh. And they sat them next to like a box with like a dial. Right. And they told them that, that um, they're helping with a memory test. Basically, there's a guy strapped into a chair on the other side of a wall. And we're going to ask him memory questions. And every time he gets it wrong, you're going to shock the guy. Um, and, you know, the box, it does nothing. There's right. n- the, the guy is an actor. And so the guy keeps getting stuff wrong. And so they basically, what they want to know is how far are the subjects going to shock the person? Yeah. Um, and there's like the, the thing on the, the box is it's got a dial. And it kind of clearly says at one point, danger, danger, you know, and it's got the skull and crossbones at the end of it. Yeah. And the actor's really hamming it up and screaming like, stop, you're going to kill me. And so Milgram wanted to know how, you know, how far would people push this? And well over half went all the way to the red. And it was kind of about, you know, how, and these are, you know, ordinary people. Yep. um, People you'd see every day on the street. um, Right. And given the right social context, were essentially gotten to murder somebody. Yeah. because an authority figure told them. And so I think thinking about that, like, I think this quote is exactly right. I think right. like thinking about all this, the message shouldn't be, God, we're so much smarter than these people. Exactly. The message should really be any of us could be these people. Yeah. Given the right context, given, you know, us or someone we love, you know, gets this horrible disease yep. or is put into a horrible like cult situation. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I, I think it is important to remember that the people that are taken in by these evil humans, like they prey on sick people for money or, you know, they're in a weakened state. And it's not just the victims of the cancer. It's actually the relatives and friends and family members that are all weakened states. And they may not be making the best judgment calls while they're going through this deep emotional roller coaster ride. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's tough. And yeah. so it's it's the people peddling Kabbalah water right. that um, deserve... <laughs> You could just make fun of them all day, yes. and it's great, and you should do it. Yeah. I think you're morally. I think we're morally obligated to. I think it is. We're yeah. discharging Morals. our moral yeah. obligation <laughs> to laugh at these derelicts of uh. society. <laughs> so, at the end of this article, they quote Madonna, who, when confronted about her involvement in the Kambala Center, said, "End quote. It would be less controversial if I joined the Nazi Party, and that the Kambala Centers are not hurting anyone." End quotes. Well, clearly this is incorrect. Also, this Guardian article was written in 2005, but I love how using the phrase Nazi party actually makes it a little more relevant up to date in America. <laughs> yeah, oh, she's talking about <laughs> things that are going on right now. Nazi party, everyone's joining. <laughs> All right, next up, the Greek cancer cure. Very informative. We know where it's from. 
And it's not from America. Thank God. Microbiologist Dr. Alavizados from Athens, Greece, was the main quack behind the Greek cancer cure. Oh, he's from Athens. Athens, Greece, and so it's the Greek cancer yep. cure. I see the connection yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> he claimed that he could use a blood test which would locate and diagnose a person's cancer. His, in quote, treatment was for each day to inject a serum into the cancer patient's bloodstream. This would be repeated oh, daily. That's nice. This would be repeated daily. It wasn't daily. urine, was it? No, if, I mean, it could have been. I like how we're not, we're not going the enema route. We're not right. going the urine route. We're, we're going, going the go blood straight route. To blood. I'm used yep. to that. You know, that's yeah, something I'm go. more used to. Yeah, something that kind of slightly resembles medicine. So this would be repeated daily between 6 and 30 days, depending on the patient. The serum, he claimed, would purify the blood of the patient, thus getting rid of the cancer. Ooh, purification. So a lot of bad blood. Yeah, there's a, there sure is a lot of bad blood between the doctor and his victims, if you know what I mean. Eh? Uh, bad blood, get it? My first thought was actually going back to the Nazi party. Like, we need to purify oh. the blood. <laughs> like, is this, are we sure this guy's Greek? Are we sure? Yeah. Let's check his papers is all I'm saying. You know, maybe take a little look. Yeah. Also, you know, this is, I mean... When you first told me about this, I'm really glad that every cancer is blood cancer, you know, because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense at all, right? I mean, you know, that's true. You know, right? Purifying the blood doesn't affect your pancreas or your liver, but so that's not the world we live in. So thank God. That's right. <laughs> he also instructed his victims to strictly adhere to a low sodium diet, avoid certain acidic foods. He also instructed them to not ever take laxatives or aspirin. I like how this magical serum only worked in conjunction with dieting and avoiding over-the-counter medicine. That seems like it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess so. Okay, so let me make sure. So I can't have acidic foods. Right. Um, I can't have salt. No. And I can't me. have aspirin. So it's really bad that I'm, you know, taking my aspirin with a margarita, right? You know, like, because, you know, I put, yeah. the, you know, put the lime on there. You got to salt the rim. That's definitely not allowed. Oh, yeah. I got to cut that out. Yeah, here's the kicker, though. This is what really just puts the icing on the cake of the whole horrible scam. He told his patients to completely stop all chemotherapy treatments uh, prescribed by con conventional uh, doctors. Conventional doctors. Conventional. Oh, God. In other words, yeah, that's the same thing as like saying globalist. Uh, gross. Anyway, <laughs> evil people. Before he would even see them, they had to have completely stopped their chemotherapy. I won't even look at someone taking chemo. Seriously. <laughs> like, God, what a piece of shit. Jesus. I got a horrible mm, I won't even gaze upon the visage. <laughs> <laughs> that's the voice I imagine this guy having. Yeah. It's not a Greek voice at all, but that's the voice I'm no, giving him. It's Greekish. If you go right now to the Alavizotas treatment program website you'll see the statement under the heading which is uh this heading is underlying philosophy so here once again this is a quote <laughs> once again here gotta we use go. the word philosophy don't they <laughs> oh i know thanks a lot <laughs> sorry thanks a lot have, uh, proofread this for to change those words for you <laughs> oh dylan's gonna read this i better change oh. the philosophy word just kidding all right so here we go this is the quote and the uh underlying bullshit it is known that poisoning the whole body to kill specific cells has had limited success. 
and generally destroys much of the patient's quality of life. Some patients, actually most patients, will tell you that the side effects from chemotherapy treatments are far worse than the symptoms of cancer. Surgery has limited success because it frequently does not remove all the cancer cells and ultimately becomes a delaying tactic rather than a genuine long-term solution. The Alavazota's treatment works on all types of cancer, and we will accept patients at all stages. As long as they are able to make the trip to International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center. Our patients typically fly to neighboring San Diego, California, which is only 27 miles away. Only 27 yeah, miles right. away. It's almost this, like it's in the yeah. same state, right? It's gotta be. <laughs> but it's Same not. country, right? Surprisingly, it's not. Oh. No, no, it's not located in the U.S., but in... Tijuana, Mexico, and I wonder why. I really, I kind of want to devote a whole episode to, like, look, there are, like, serious doctors in Mexico and the Bahamas and Central and South America. Like, really, we know, we know, we're sorry. We're sorry. God. Like, I think these, it's like a crime against humanity. It's a crime against the Mexican and Caribbean people. (laughs) These cancer quacks. Lord, I'm so sorry. In an article written in the New York Times in 1983, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. Excuse me. Except for in 1983, it wasn't fake news. It was what we call a normal newspaper. Oh, that was the truth. That was the truth back then. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So this is before there was no truth. Anyway, Dr. Alavizitos makes the claim that his serum has a 60% success rate in curing cancer. Minus those in very late stages. I love this way of advertising. Like, it's a, you know, 60% success, except the really hard cases. You know, I think about, like, I think about, like, going to UNLV. Like, you know, I had a 4.0 GPA in UNLV, except for all those classes I failed. If you take out the failures, then it was just, you know, all A's. It was a great time. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to, going to take this on. This Greek cancer cure guy, he knows, Uh. he knows how to talk. When asked what was in his serum, he said it was a, quote, medical secret. Oh. I mean, he's not wrong, really. Oh. I mean, the conventional, a.k.a. actual medical field, had no idea what this bullshit serum was or what it was made out of. <laughs> kind of true. I guess, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah you're right. It, it, he's right. Um, it, should <laughs> never, it should never be a secret. It should never <laughs> be a secret what's in the medicine. <laughs> it's just never... <laughs> It's never good. I'm never a bug man, fun. and the labels <laughs> on the pesticides, it tells you what's in them. You know, so like, this isn't, this right. is not, this is like a guy at a party who just hands you a bunch of random pills. He's like, I don't know what they are, but they get you fucked up. I mean, that's what this guy is. He's no yeah, better than basically. that guy. What's, it's never a secret. It's, it's never a secret. <laughs> So the serum attacks the protein-like substance that coats the cancer cells, which prohibits the body from spreading the disease. That sounds real enough. You know, if I'm going to take a mystery cancer drug that <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, a trade secret, you can't tell me what it is. It's like Coca-Cola. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. I don't like the protein-like in the description. <laughs> give me a more, I want, right. give me something. It's protein-ish. Yeah, protein-ish. Sort of kind of protein. Yeah. Also, the National Cancer Institute and American Cancer Society both asked Dr. Alavazetos to reveal what was in the serum, but he blew off the request. 
he was probably too busy guiding people to their deaths by keeping them away from real cancer treatment. <laughs> you know, I mean, it makes it sound like like he's a celebrity avoiding the paparazzi. He right. blew off the paparazzi. <laughs> he blew off those the National Cancer Institute. I'm not going to listen to those fools. Blew them off. Oh, God. So, in fact, this doctor lost his medical license in Greece for failing to submit his serum for proper medical testing. Which I just assume is done in the same place that they test Greek yogurt, making sure that it is Greek enough for American consumers. Yeah, you gotta level the Greek. I don't know how you measure Greekness. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, but it's it's being done. Yeah, it's being done. Let's just be honest. I want to know why this should have happened immediately after he said his medicine was a secret. It should, you know, (laughs) right? You know. The National Cancer Institute comes, they say, hey, doctor, what's in your medicine? He says, I can't tell you, and they reach into his pocket and get his medical right, license. Like, that should be, yeah. should be immediate. I don't, yeah. it's, we're not talking about jelly beans here. Like, this is, it's not a mystery flavor. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's medicine. Oh, God. Oh, horrible. At least, you know, when you're drinking urine, you know what you're drinking. Right. You're drinking your urine. That's right. You're getting cartilage up your butt. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it's totally fine. <sighs> I don't know why this makes me so mad (laughs) as opposed to all the other things. (laughs) It's a mystery. Ugh, so so annoying. Horrible. Though he did eventually submit the serum and received his license back, the Greek government said he was not to use the serum because when tested, it was not effective against cancer cells. So imagine that. (laughs) But that didn't stop him. That didn't stop the good doctor. Oh, it didn't? No, it didn't. Because oh, uh, he went back to his old quackery ways, and uh, once a quack, always a quack, as they say. The Hellenic Medical Association conducted an investigation which found him guilty again of using the serum. He just couldn't stop, couldn't get enough. Couldn't, his couldn't, serum uh... was again, sus- or serum, I wish, his license was again suspended for two years. <laughs> but he did earn some quackery reward points, which can which he can use uh, towards his next scam. So that's good. I like, I like how it's, it's like in America... You can get multiple DUIs. <laughs> you can get more than one. Yes. Which it wow. seems like you get maybe two. May- yeah. Like that's like maybe. the like maybe two. Right. And then you shouldn't be allowed to drive ever. You know, like that should be <laughs> it. Like you're done. But right. We can't. It's it's really important, like to not like run people over in a car. Right. <laughs> so apparently, a medical license is like that, where it's you know it's. You know, oh, you're using it again. Yeah. We're going to suspend it for two years. How about we suspend it for his entire life? Like, right? Is there a shortage? Is there a doctor shortage that we have to have Dr. Alavazados right. and his serum that does nothing? Oh, like he, God. he's not obviously very impressive. His serum does nothing. Why is it so important that this guy is a doctor? Oh God! Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. From Socrates to Alavazados, <sighs> Jesus, horrible. Supposing so as a cancer patient, Seattle surgeon and president of the Washington Division of the American Cancer Society, Ross Fox, MD, was able to obtain some of the secret serum. Like a fox. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't help it. Dr. Good. Fox, yeah. He tricked him like a fox. I actually knew I actually knew somebody growing up named Dr. Fox. He went to my parents' church or the church I went to, and he lived in this, we live in this tiny town, lived in a giant mansion. Just huge, like an absurd, absurd huge house. And his name was Dr. Fox. As long as he's, like, curing people. If he's curing people, give him all the money. Yeah, he is. He's a real doctor, so that's fine. Yeah. How do you imagine that going down? Like, how did he sneak out of there? I just picture him acting all sick and coughing and then moaning. 
Then as soon as a doctor left the room, he shatters the glass case, grabs a secret serum, then busts down the door and runs out onto the roof where there's a helicopter pad. Then a helicopter swoops in, grabs him onto the, and he jumps onto the landing skids and starts dangling by one hand with a serum in his other hand. <laughs> the chopper flies off. Meanwhile, the doctor, his nurse minions, and all the other cancer, pa- cancer patients have made it to the roof and are leaping at him, but they can't quite catch him. I mean, some of them are lagging behind, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, that would that. So that's that. <laughs> that portrait you that's, just painted is like right. the greatest movie poster of all time. <laughs> Outfoxed, coming to a theater near you. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that's literally another name of a movie. But yeah, we need to start suing these cancer quacks and getting that money and putting it yes. into Outfoxed. Oh, totally. That should and be... making movies just to make fun of them. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that would be great. Make That's it like an action idea. movie, like, you know, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Fox. <laughs> I need the serum. I need to get the serum. <laughs> oh, that's the terrible. Yeah. Ugh, but I tried. It would be great. It would be great. Yeah. So he brought it back to the lab, this uh, hero, brought it back to the lab at uh, the University of Washington to be analyzed. So what's in this secret sauce? God, I can only imagine what's in yeah. it. It's ketchup, mayo, relish. Oh, I'm sorry, that's in and out. Shit, I revealed it oh, on air. Dear man, God, I what can, is going to happen? Man, I can I can hear the helicopters outside my window. Why <laughs> no, on earth did you coming. say that? Yeah, oh, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. Abort! Abort! <laughs> Shut it down. So what's in this serum? Actually, um, it is nicotinic acid, which is niacin, a B vitamin, and drum roll. Water. Oh. <laughs> Cabal water? That's not a reveal. <laughs> uh, oh, what if it maybe, was Cabal maybe. water? What a great twist. Yeah, that would be You're stealing another swindler swindling <laughs> potion? <laughs> and putting it in your own I medicine? Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, That's what you got to scam. You got to scam the scammers. Yes, I like that. Just make it like an internal circle of scamming, and then it's totally fine. Scammers turning on each other, eating their own. All right, so niacin percentage was high enough to induce burning of the skin, so that's wonderful. Well, you know, my pappy always told me that if it can burn skin, it can burn cancer. Um, He actually died very young, though, so I don't (laughs) know. Yeah, I don't know if we should take that advice, but Uh, he did say that on more than one occasion. So Dr. Alavazados made claims that he cured most patients that he treated with this serum. That is what I like to call a lie. Well, it's like, you know, except for the people who died i cured all of them it's probably that's you know that's probably the way he's talking about yeah that's probably true in reality many of them died within just a few months after they came back from greece yeah that's like totally different (laughs) like so you're he said he cured them right and you're saying they died yeah it's almost yeah huh this famous greek quacks formula is still in circulation under the names cell ball and met ball all in caps not meatball met ball what if that was it? Just meatballs. I just eat a bunch of meatballs and cure yeah. your cancer. It's perfect. I eat a lot of meatballs. The new serum is reported to be 150 milligrams of brown sugar, 20 milligrams of niacin, 57 milligrams of vitamin C, and 57 milligram, milligrams of amino acid alanine? I don't know. I'm just picturing liquid amino acids, which is basically soy sauce. <laughs> I'm just... just I'm That's thrown good. up by the brown sugar part of this. Yeah, that actually sounds so like a can, nice dish. Yeah, you can make some, <laughs> you know, you can make some banana bread nice that also rub. cures yeah. cancer. What a twofer. <laughs> I love both of those things. Uh, so currently, the FDA has banned the imp- importation of Metball. Of course they have. Yep. But who knows if this will hold up with the trajectory we're on currently. Oh. Yeah, they'll, they'll let anything through at that point. 
so here's the next, here it is. This is the next one. So, so Kensima was the genius creation of Gregory James Canton. He was an American businessman who promoted an array of herbal products. Kensima was the most notable of these because it was claimed to cure skin cancer. It's a pretty effective way to get your name out there. Yeah. You know, you talk about, hey, I got something that cures cancer. People are going to pay attention. Um, <laughs> and speaking of which, yes. um, I've been doing some, you know, I've, I got an inch number mm-hmm. for our podcast. Ah. Um, and I've been doing some human trials. And it turns out um, daily doses of Nundere Called Ordinary will ah. cure your cancer and make you the coolest person around. Oh, you know, so wow. Let's put that out there. Let's spread that That's... as far as and wide. Our podcast cures cancer. <laughs> Uh, and we're immediately shut down. Apparently not. I mean, all these people are doing it. Why can't we? <laughs> it's true, right? Let's get we're not business. actually charging people. That's right. It's free. It's free. Cure your Just cancer for free. Just do all the other stuff you're doing and listen to the podcast. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. So Alpha and Omega Labs was founded by Canton in 1995. He founded it under a pseudonym, James Carr. Yeah, doesn't want to get too famous. Yep. <laughs> exactly. When you have to change your name when offering a groundbreaking cure for cancer, you may be peddling some bullshit. No, no, no. He just knew Big Pharma wouldn't let him make money off the truth. Yes. They were going to hound truth. him, so he had to do it under a fake name. <laughs> so Alpha Omega Labs manufactured over 300 alternative healthcare, quote, solutions. They had 14 mm-hmm. distributors all over the world at one point. Well, thank goodness they only operate now out of Ecuador. Actually, maybe... Oh, that's it. Yeah. I 14 think, to uh, 1. Yeah. Actually, maybe Sean Hannity's BFF Julian Assange is really behind all of this secretly. Gotta give him something to do <laughs> What a weird... Embassy. <laughs> <laughs> what was Julian Assange doing in the 80s? <laughs> like, all right, no, so um, I have point. to write a check and mail it to um, the Ecuadorian embassy in London? <laughs> Ooh, that sounds official. This is really going to work. <laughs> Also, they talk about all these solutions. Mm-hmm. I assume they're solutions for the problem of having too much money. Like, that's what they're solving. <laughs> yes. That's a problem to be solved. Your wallet is too big. That's right. In 2003, the FDA banned Kensima for being worthless. <laughs> Canton pleaded guilty for defrauding customers. What a shock. <laughs> I really like the ruling, how it's... The problem is... No, no, The problem... It's not really dangerous... Um, well, I mean, it is dangerous, yeah. but like that's not the ruling. It's not right. that it's dangerous or untested. It's that it's worthless. <laughs> that's specifically why we're banning it. We're banning it because it's worthless. It's totally worthless. It's beautiful. Yeah. So one of the treatments for skin cancer promoted by Alpha Omega Labs is Kensima, a blood root salve. So blood root is a perennial flowering plant native to eastern North America. It is made into a paste by the alternative medicine industry and offered as a cure for skin cancer. So blood root is considered escharotic which means corrosive or caustic. See, my pappy was right. <laughs> if it could burn your skin, it could burn yeah, cancer. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just picturing people harvesting those carnivorous plants, like the pitcher plant, you know, out of the jungles. You know, the ones that they have those, like, cups that are full of digestive fluids oh, that eat yeah. their victims. And those are scary. Nutrients. Yeah. It's natives, like, they've actually found skeletal remains of small rodents inside these nightmare <laughs> creatures. I just imagine them fighting with them, then smashing it all up, and then putting it into a container, rat bones and all. Here's your cancer cure. Fuck you. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. You, right. you got to add the brown sugar first. You oh, add 150 milligrams That's of brown right. sugar, and then you could sell yeah. it to anybody. That's right. I mean, it, you can't just go with plain crush up rat bones. No, that's not enough. And, unless it's in an enema, or yeah, if it's the urine fine. of the rat bones. Right. Um, but yeah, not just rat bones. That's dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be silly here. Sorry. So black salves like 
cancima are usually also a mixture of various herbal extracts and often ammonium salts. Other ingredients include zinc chloride and chaparro, otherwise known as creosote bush. I always say you need a pinch of ammonium salt on your creosote bush to make the flavors just pop. So cancima is available in an 0.8 ounce container. The appearance of the paste has been compared to Vegemite, which is a thick black paste. Mm. Yum. I don't know. Actually, have you ever had Vegemite, Dylan? So I've had Marmite. I actually, there's a, I had, there was a recipe. I made a vegan gravy with Marmite in it. Um, And it, like, I tasted it a little bit out of the package, and it's just, it doesn't really have a flavor to me. It's more just like, ugh. Like, (laughs) when you eat it, it's more like, ah. (laughs) Um. So from altcancer.com site, the website, you are to apply the paste topically on the area of your skin you want to target. In the first 30 hours, a skin lesion will appear. This will eventually turn into a scab. The cancer is, in quote, this is all in quotes, the cancer is completely dead at this point, and in quote, but the healing process has only begun, end quote. The fun has just begun. Next up, no nose, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, the here. fun never Spoiler stops rate. when you just have a scab. Yeah, that's yeah, always yeah, the beginning on. to a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. In just four short days, the scab builds up enough antibodies in the area of the infected tissue. According to the site, at this point, Cancema quote has successfully triggered the body's immune system. Finally, ah, oh, we're done. Yeah. God. Well, are we finally done yet? Yeah. Nope. Oh. Nope. Not at all. In seven days after this, this scab, called an eschar, completely dries out with the skin underneath the scab forming as healthy skin, which slowly pushes the eschar away from the body. So finally, we are done, right? Yeah, definitely. No. Oh. Eight days after this, this scab will have finally been pushed out according to the site. And this is in quotes. Representing what had been a thriving cancer only days before is pushed out at the body Why the last connective skin tissue beneath it is broken or deteriorates lovely so we're done god right so we're all good then right that's what you would think no no we're not god i know it's never gonna end a crater area in the skin remains where the tumor once was a crater area sounds nice yeah it sounds nice yeah your tumor is gone but you do have a hole in your face now so there's good i want a hole in my face (laughs) (laughs) this skin is unprotected and raw so that's fun And according to this site, within only a month, that skin will heal back. But just as a disclaimer, many of the patients have been left with noticeable scars. Say hello to my little friend on my face. That's my best (laughs) Tony Montoya voice. Oh, you're doing a... It's uh, a scar face joke. Yeah, get Uh, it? uh, Scar on your face. So, anyway... There are multiple horror stories about victims of cancema. You mean the treatment which explicitly eats away your skin and leaves holes in your body? Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the right there would be horror stories. Yep. <laughs> Here's just one, and it starts with this asshole. Andrew Wheel, MD. Forgot about that. Andrew Weil, MD, promoted blood root paste in his 1995 book, Spontaneous Healing. <sighs> it's always a good name for a book. He said that applying blood root paste could dissolve tumors without harming any healthy tissue in the skin. He claimed a whole tumor, quote, fell off after just a few days after applying this blood root paste to his dog's skin. Oh, poor that dog. poor dog. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> buddy. Let your dog be. Take him to a Not vet. the dog. He used it on his patients and started teaching it to his medical students. He said that the result were 
and quote, consistent and satisfactory. Yeah, I put it on my dog yeah. and that seemed to work. Yeah, always. Yeah, you extrapolate, you put it on mice, you put it on fruit flies, and it just works on humans. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. So there was always something about that guy I never liked. I, I don't know what it is. It's, I mean, glad to see it completely confirmed here. Maybe he was, I don't know, maybe it was the beard and it's bigger than mine and I'm jealous. I don't know. I don't know. That might be it. But probably not. It's probably the fact that his, he has books, tons of books, actually. And they're all shelved in the alternative medicine section in local bookstores. So. Yeah, I remember seeing all those books. <laughs> I think the real problem is that he looks just like Karl Marx. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I remember seeing, like, is that? No. no. Quacks of the world. <laughs> Unite. Yes. Love it. Convinced by this potion of Andrew Weil's book, a woman in Indianapolis, Indiana, named Sue Gilliatt, decided to use the bloodroot salves. So fearing that a tumor on her nose was cancerous, though diagnosed as benign by her doctor, she wanted to try the bloodroot salve. She purchased Cansema from the Alpha Omega website and, and a bloodroot paste from Dan Raber, who is another quack promoting top, topical cancer bullshit, basically. When you first told me about this, I, I thought you said yeah. Dan Rather, and I was going to get real upset. <laughs> like, oh, no, not Dan Rather. Dan Rather. Dan Rather, I think, is now on the Young Turks. Really? I think he's on TYT. I, I think it's Dan Rather. Yeah. No. Dan Rather made the transition over there. He's, he's a hipster now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his cool news from the cool place. Yeah, the cool news. Yeah. The Cansema burned so badly, she could not keep it on the full 24 hours required to leave it on the tumor. She then applied the bloodroot paste, but within just a few hours, her face started swelling up. Oh, my she God. She called Dan Raber. Rabber, Raber. Instead of calling her doctor, which, which she should have done probably, and he told her not to worry, but to apply more paste. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. That's exactly what happens. If a firefighter shows up and you are stuck in your house, burning alive, they will just add more fire to your burning body. It helps quicken the pace of ending the pain. It makes sense. You know, pain, pain is just weakness leaving the body. Yes. So I guess she just started out with a lot of weakness. <laughs> Just getting all of it out. Get it all out of there. <laughs> Finally, when she went to see her dermatologist, a portion of her nose was eaten mm. away. Uh, I admit, I am a bit nosy. Get it? Uh. Sorry. I apologize. Anyways, so I had to Google image search some of these pictures. In all seriousness, they are fucking horrifying and extremely grotesque. You know, I don't think I've actually seen any of these oh, photos. Don't do it. So if you go to altcancer.net, you get a general statement about how these quacks view cancer. And this is the quote. We radically disagree with most current orthodox therapies, particularly most chemo, radiation, and even some surgical protocols that form the basis of cancer treatment in the West. Our belief is that 100 years from now, physicians will regard these therapies as we now regard the more aggressive bloodletting techniques used in medieval medicine. These therapies, with their poor success rates and outrageous costs, live on and survive, not because they work, but because they are highly profitable and they feed a $200 billion a year industry, $200 billion a year industry, that is too politically powerful to either rein in or hold accountable. For those of us who possess the advanced tools, we know that cancer treatment is not so much a medical challenge as it is a political disease. I think they're right. Um, it is a political disease that all these fucking assholes aren't in prison. That's the <laughs> yes, that's, that's the, the political that's disease the here. Real disease, right? Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, 
First, I, I mean, I know these people claim to know more than tested medical science as a whole, but I also didn't know they had the ability to see into the future. Um, in a hundred years time, physicians will consider chemo akin to bloodletting. Okay, please. Also, if they don't trust physicians now, why would they do so in the future? It just means they'll have competition. And of course, we get the conspiracy theory shit. That's normal. That's just standard. The $200 billion a year industry of tested medical treatment is a real enemy, right? That's the real enemy. That the real medicine. Line. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's, it is. Real medicine. It's the real enemy. The best line is the last. We know that cancer treatment is, is not so much a medical challenge as a political disease. I'm pretty sure that millions of people dying of cancer would disagree. It's more a medical disease than a political de- disease. Sorry, fuck you, asshole. The end. Yeah, I think to me the main moral <laughs> of a lot of these episodes is who cares if they yeah. make money? Right. If they're curing people. Like, it seems bizarre yes. to me. Yeah, they're making <laughs> a bunch of money because it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same God. reason. Horrible. You know, I buy... I buy hash brown patties. That's a huge yes. industry. I buy them because they work. They fill me up mm-hmm. and they're delicious. And they are pretty good. Chemo's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Yep. And with that concludes our second part of our series on cancer quackery. So, Brent, did you learn anything? Do you feel no. more in lo- No. Oh. Ah, <laughs> damn. I think we were you're we supposed to get around to that at some point. Some the learning was supposed to happen. I haven't started researching this podcast yet, so let me start. Just kidding. <laughs> I work backwards. I work backwards. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, you gotta. So, yeah, we have to listen to it again, and then we'll learn. Because right. we'll I know learn. when I research all this stuff, I kind of just black out. Yeah. And then I, like, I do oh, too. And then there's just a podcast episode. Yeah. It's probably a serious just, medical condition. Yeah. It does feel good. To, it does feel good to make fun. That's, I mean, that is true. I mean, when you're reading it and yeah. you're you're just painfully going through this and getting angry, and then you finally get to write the jokes or make fun, it's like, oh, oh yes. yeah, it's real. Righteous yeah. anger is pretty delicious. Yes. I must admit. Nice. Oh, Lord. And so, um, to our listeners, we want to say, uh, we want to tell you again, uh, our email address is nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. If you or someone you know has been conned by some cancer assholes, um, Mm -hmm. cancer assholes, cancer quack assholes, (laughs) those cancer assholes, (laughs) or you just want to let us know about a topic you'd like covered, or you want to let us know how well or badly we're talking about the topics we've already discussed, just send us an email. Again, that's nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. So, Dylan, then what's on the agenda for next week episode? Let's just say there's a reason all these quacks are going are uh, leaving the United States. <laughs> it's because justice is on their tails and it will never stop until yep, it gets government. them. Yep. Overreach. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Government overreach, basically. Basically. And so we'll see you next week <whistles> on None Dare Call It Ordinary. All right, two hours and two minutes. Oh, God, God damn! Shall I stop it? <laughs> <laughs>